Hey, I'm Ramel London. I'm a TV radio presenter and host, and I want to welcome you to the Mainstream Podcast. Okay, today I'm joined by, in my opinion, one of New York's hottest new presenters and hosts. She's absolutely dominating celebrity and lifestyle interviews for Build Series NYC. Uh, she started off working as a finance reporter for Yahoo, but then was shooting her shot volunteered to present some entertainment pieces and then she secured the bag and became the full-time host of Build and has interviewed some of the biggest stars in Hollywood right now. I'm here with the amazing Brittany Jones Cooper. You know, I feel like we should just end the interview there. That was... Anything I say from this point on is just downhill. That was a great intro. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) But no, I really enjoyed just watching you and just learning more about what you do in your journey. So again, I'm so happy that we get to sit down. Yeah, I'm so happy we're connecting because yeah. you know, you're a host, we connected through Instagram yeah. and just kind of supported each other that way. So I like that you like hit me up when you're in the city yeah. and then I get to meet you. This I has had been to. really fun. Well, thank you. Yeah. And welcome to the mainstream. Yes. So um, like I said, I've been following you for I think about a year. And it was based off the fact that I joined Build in London. And I was so happy to see a beautiful black woman mm-hmm. doing the same, but absolutely killing it on a whole new level. Because you guys have big synonyms. We do. Like we do okay in London, but you? <laughs> yeah, there's some pressure. There's some days I don't fan out a lot, you know? Like yeah. you learn how to kind of keep your composure, but sometimes the people walking through here, like when Julia Roberts shows up, yes. you know, or Tyler Perry yes. or Gabrielle Union, Woo! you sort of like stop and pause. So it is a cool atmosphere just to be in. So yeah. the fact that I get to host is always just like extra special to my heart. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I love that. All right, let's take it back because um, you've actually got accolades after accolades, which I absolutely love. Um, so you originally grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, what was Husker Nation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad because Nebraska is just not... It's a great place. It's a well, great that's place. what I was going to yeah. say. What was it like growing up there? Um, so it is a predominantly white state. I thought as yeah. much. Uh, and the community I grew up in is predominantly white. And so yeah. we were one of few black families. And um, the truth is you don't really, you're a kid. So you're just sort of surviving and yeah. doing the best you can and making the best out of sort of awkward situations. It wasn't until I was older that I really kind of started processing what that experience was. Yeah. But I had a really happy childhood. That's amazing. Grew up with a single mom. She raised me and my three older brothers by herself. We have a really, really big family. So in a lot of ways, there weren't, there wasn't a black community, but okay. I had a black community. That's good. You know, I had my family there. Yeah. Um, so I was a happy kid. I was super involved in stuff. Uh, was the president of a lot of clubs. Jeez. I think as the only black kid, I was trying to like represent a yeah. lot of the times. Um, it was a weird pressure, but one that I kind of like took and ran with and okay. it ended up benefiting me, right? Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, life was good. Nebraska is very conservative, very white. Yeah. So the moment I could get the hell out of there, I did. Yeah. But I happily go back three or four times a year and visit my family. That's so, good. yeah, that's Nebraska in a nutshell. <laughs> Food's well, real good. We got great steak. Okay. Yeah. So I should go to Nebraska. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you've only got like a couple weeks in the States, don't. Go to Nebraska. If you have some time, yeah, drive. Okay. You can spend a nice two days there, have a steak dinner, maybe go to a football game. Okay. You know, there's a whole culture there. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I'll put it on my bucket list. Yeah, <laughs> just down, just like, a, I'll give you a, other places to go first. 
Fair enough. Well, you actually stayed there for university yeah. and you studied journalism, um, journalism and broadcasting to be mm-hmm. specific. Um, so what made you want to take that course in particular? Yeah, in high school, I mentioned I was really involved in stuff. So I had joined this organization called DECA and I had to do a lot of public speaking. Okay. And there was a huge community service component to that club as well. Yeah. So I was constantly out in the community, talking to people, and I just realized that I really loved that. And I yeah. really loved hearing people's stories and, and helping people and elevating narratives that maybe didn't have a voice. Yeah. So when I thought about what a career would look like, uh, a local reporter just seemed to be a natural fit. Um, and so I ended up majoring in journalism, broadcast specifically, with the goal of becoming a local reporter. Nice. Um, I did that for a little bit, yeah. just a couple months, and then it was the recession, so... Okay. Uh, there was it was just a hard time yeah. you know to graduate I graduated in 2008 and it was just right. a really hard time to graduate so my path diverted away from there but I got to be a local news reporter That's I got awesome. to be out in the community like asking questions and talking about small business owners and uh, it was really cool and the community obviously receives you so well when yeah. you're from it so it's an experience that was short-lived but I really enjoyed but it all started at the University of Nebraska where one of my professors was a former local news reporter, a black woman what? that I grew up watching. No way. Trina Creighton. I used to watch her on the Channel 6 News. That's so good. I'd watched her my whole life and I get to college and she's my professor. And just having a black woman at that point in my career to validate me, to tell me I was good enough, to like treasure my black skin was so, so important looking yes. back. It gave me like all this confidence. I am absolutely gobsmacked by that because that is so significant in letting you know that you can do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I feel like for me personally, I always had to look to America mm. for, you know, inspirations like that. So obviously Oprah Winfrey was a massive Huge. one for me. Yeah. We did have local presenters and like no, local news re- readers as well, but it still did seem far, mm-hmm. far away. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you had someone so... Yeah. Within arm's reach, literally lecturing for you. That's amazing. Yeah, she was my local Oprah. Yeah, yeah. You know, she yeah. was the woman that I would turn on and watch every night. So then it felt really serendipitous. It felt like I was on the right path That's when good. Trina ended up being my professor. Yeah. That's amazing. And we're still, we're still cool. Like, I still keep in touch. That's She'll, like, send students my way to talk to them. So, it, like, that... That whole connection continues. That's beautiful, honestly. I love that in so for so many reasons. Because mm-hmm. I, I was also thinking as well, because you said Nebraska is predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Is it somewhere as a, a black woman where you actually thought I could do this job and take it to a whole new place, like internationally or like, you know, moving here to New York? Yeah, I think you have to just make that decision for yourself yeah. because the surrounding environment is always going to tell you you're not good enough because you don't fit that standard. So at some point, you just have to decide, I'm going to set a new standard. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to reach the heights I want to reach, regardless of where you're at, really. But I think especially when you are in a white space. So I think there were a lot of people thinking I was crazy, and then I just couldn't pay attention to them. Good. Yeah. That's just as simple as it is. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So what was the catalyst that actually made you move to New York? Uh, unemployment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So I graduated, immediately got uh, the local reporter job. Yeah. It was a four-month stint while a woman was on maternity leave. Okay. When she came back, they were like, hey, kid, you did a great job, but sorry. Wow. And so then I spent the next seven months unemployed, um, 
living in my mom's house, like pretty bummed, like yeah. really thinking I had... But you was young. So what, you was like 21? I was 22, yeah. but I thought I had peaked already. Right, okay. You know, because you feel like that when you graduate, you should have the that. thing. Yeah. And I didn't have the thing. And so I ended up, because I just really needed to get out of my own way and out of my mom's house, Yeah. I applied to be in this program called City Year. Okay. And it's a nonprofit where you go into schools in uh, underprivileged neighborhoods yeah. and you just mentor the kids and hang out. Okay. So I got into the New York program. So I was like, I want to be in New York. This is how I'm going to get there. Fair enough. So I got into the program and a month into it, I get an email from Katie Couric's office. So... How did that happen? Yeah. In college, I had interned, interned with Katie Couric, who is, I think, arguably our most famous female presenter here. Yeah. And I'd interned for her. And since that time, I'd kept a blog, a blog spot, just yeah. like random stuff I was doing, talking about my unemployment, just like chronicling my life. Yeah. And her assistant had been following it since I interned. So when I moved to New York to do this program, her assistant needed a second assistant wow. and just saw that I was in the city. And so she was like, Hey, I've been following your blog. We need a new second assistant. Katie likes you. Do you want to come in and interview? That's mad. And I was like, yeah. And I'd been in New York for four weeks. What? So this all happened. I'd been unemployed. Yeah. Just thinking I peaked, thinking it was all over. I took a really big leap yeah. to do something completely not associated with journalism. And four weeks in, I get, in the office yeah. of the anchor of the CBS Evening News. Crazy. And it was really crazy. Really, really crazy. And I don't, I think it's just kind of luck and timing and being in the right place in the right time, but also like, you know, we had, I had a really good internship and I had maintained those relationships. Yeah. You know, it was sort of everything coming together. Yes. So that's how I got back into media. And then I spent two years as Katie Couric's assistant slash production assistant. Wow watching her interview the biggest names, writing questions, doing research, getting her dry cleaning. It was my grad school. It really That's was. Amazing. Yeah, it was two years of just being in the most immersive role possible. Yes. Understanding everything that's going on in the industry with somebody who is at the top of their game. That's perfect. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it was crazy. It was it, Saying it doesn't even make sense that it happened like that. Um, but those two years were some of the hardest for sure. Yeah. My first in the city, the pace is so fast. Her career is so big. Yeah. I'm all of a sudden in charge of her calendar. Wow. Um, it was a lot of pressure and had a, a, lot lot of, responsibility. a lot of acclimating wow. to, to everything. But once I got through those two years, I felt like I could do anything. That's amazing. How important is it for, for people to take that leap of faith? Because I'm assuming when mm. you got here, it was pretty much not having anything super stable or mm -hmm. you didn't really know where money was going to come from. No, the program I had moved here for City Year is a nonprofit, right? So you, they pay you, I think it was $250 a week. Yeah. And at orientation, they tell you to go get on food stamps. So I had just applied for food stamps. My goodness. Because they pay you below the standard of living. And I had like, Knowing full well. Yeah. <laughs> Right? You've come from Nebraska by yourself. Yeah, with $1,500. Oh my gosh. So I found an apartment with other kids in the program. So yeah. there were four of us in this apartment, and we were just all on food stamps and mentoring kids. Like yeah. that was what we were going to do for a year. Yeah. So yeah, I had no stability. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just hoping that being in New York would attract yes. what New York promises to attract. Yeah. And it did within a month. <laughs> That's. 
Girl, you said you ain't you ain't spiritual, you ain't right in God, but that is God. That is God. <laughs> Won't he do it? <laughs> All the time. No, that honestly, again, because I, I just watched you interview uh, Jenna doing and you're speaking about spirituality and mm. manifestations and it's true. You have to believe it mm-hmm. for it to happen. You have to want it enough for it to actually happen. And I, I, I love that. I agree. Manifesting is something I think I was doing before I realized there was a word for it. Yeah. I've always kind of yes. been inherently spiritual. I've always had vision boards. My mom is very spiritual. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there is something to sort of like asking the universe for something. Yeah. And then being prepared for those opportunities when they come to you. Yeah, yeah. So was, was you scared? Oh, terrified. Yeah. What pushed you through the fear? Um, Moving back to Nebraska. You didn't want to come home. I didn't want to move back to Nebraska. Wow. I didn't want to um, be embarrassed. Okay. You know, yeah. because it was such a big deal for me to leave home. Yeah. You know, people in my family like typically just didn't. Yeah. So it felt like a really big choice. I was trying to be confident and bold. I was doing it on my own. I didn't ask for any help. And I felt like if I failed, it would just be really embarrassing to go home. So I just like... I know you just push through those moments and they were they were pretty tough the first year. I almost I almost moved home the first year. Really? Yeah, I just got really homesick and anxious and it was like I said, the working with somebody as prolific as Katie Kirk um was intimidating and so you're kind of battling all these things while you're just trying to like grow and yeah. Um so yeah, I think part of it is just like taking stock of who you are, learning to share your fears learning to embrace your vulnerabilities. Those are all things that just start happening when you're pushed up against the wall. Definitely. You know? Definitely. Well done, man. I love that. Yeah. Fight the fear. Fight the fear, man. And I I always say I leap off cliffs all the time. I'm more fearful of not doing that. I'm more fearful of regret. Yeah. So I think fear is something that everybody's going to have, right? Yeah. You can't avoid fear. You can change your relationship to it, though. You can let it propel you into something or you can let it stop you from doing something so very early on i just made the decision to leap off cliffs and then like you know hopefully i'll land somewhere soft you're still here yeah (laughs) i keep landing in soft places so it's working out that's amazing yeah um also you so then became a producer yeah that sounds like it was a little bit different from the plan Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you clearly wanted to be a journalist, a reporter. Was becoming a producer a step back or was mm-hmm. it enough to learn enough about the industry in that time? Yeah, I, of course, wanted to be Oprah, right? Yes. Yeah. We've talked about this. I think yeah. any young black woman who goes into hosting is like, Oprah. Yes. So I've always wanted, and that's still sort of the goal, right? But um, I understood that to be Oprah, I needed to master my craft. Mm. So for me, going into producing just felt like I was better preparing myself for what would come down the line. I think you have to really understand everything about your passion. 100%. And so working in those roles as a PA, and then as an associate producer, and then as a producer, um, writing, sitting in edit bays, yeah. booking guests, booking cars for guests. I mean, all of that you sort of understand. So then when you are the top of the call sheet, you have that just natural respect and you know the effort going into making yeah. you look good. So I never viewed it as a step back. It was always just like learning moments and the pay was better. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> be 
people don't realise, yeah. being a reporter and a presenter and a host doesn't always pay well when you start off. Yeah. Like when I was in local news, I don't even remember paychecks. Like they serious? were, I don't even, I don't even know if they paid me, you know? <laughs> Looking back, like, <laughs> yeah. I was definitely broke. I was so, I was, shit, I'm still broke, but, uh, <laughs> no, you ain't but being a producer, you <laughs> yeah. start actually getting like checks that you can live off remember of? getting. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, so producing was a good and very necessary step, and especially for where I've ended up. Uh, I think being in broadcast or media in general at this time, you have to be super scrappy, mm. and you need to be able to do everything, yes. especially in digital media. Yes. They want you to one-man band all day. You need to shoot, edit, be on camera, be behind, I mean, everything. Yeah. And I just was prepared for these roles yeah. because I was a producer. So Whew. you have to look at all those opportunities like as learning moments really I think so at that saying that you can't look or belittle any never any role no. you literally have to take it on the chin and be like this is gonna benefit me in the long run because I feel like a lot of I don't know if it's like that here mm-hmm. but in the UK or in London specifically a lot of young people feel like oh no I'm not gonna do that for free because mm-hmm. oh, I should be getting paid for that yeah when you are worthy of being when paid, you're ready literally you have to do the the hustle and grind and you have to work towards it so do you usually advise people to do the the kind of the long game in terms of producing assistant being the tea girl being the laundry girl whatever yeah i think you got to find your passion first and i think if it's what you really want to be doing you won't even view it like that it's true you know what i mean like i was so passionate i am so passionate about what i'm doing so any chance i could get to be in the room I was going to take. Yeah. And I did take, even if it meant not having money or getting paid or being, you know, somebody's assistant and getting coffee and all these things. Yeah. Like, I didn't even think twice because yeah. I knew that it made me more well-rounded. I knew that it was going to be beneficial in the end, right? Like, because mm. I was on this path. So I think if you're really questioning getting coffee for people and stuff, like, maybe you just don't want it that bad. Tell them, You Brittany. just don't. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you just don't. Yeah. Because if you did you would be getting coffee. <laughs> Listen, I was getting, getting coffee for two years. Right, me too. And that's what propelled me to get, to be mem- remembered. Mm-hmm. Everyone remembered, I can't say my words. <laughs> Everyone remembered me because I gave the tea out with a smile. Right. And also, you have to listen, you have to be observant. You're in a space mm-hmm. where you're learning, hearing things that no one else has access to. You're meeting people that could change your life. Yeah. And who will end up changing your life exactly. down the road? Because media is so small and you will work with these people and over and over again. Like so, and I also like how you, you said you were the tea girl. Yeah, that in London, we're, tea, <laughs> we're, tea, we're not coffee girls, we're tea girls. Tea girls. <laughs> Noted. I gotta get my, my lingo down. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. You can have coffee too. Yeah, uh, it's cool. But everyone had tea. Yeah. But um, yeah, I... I just feel like you've achieved so much and it's it's worth it. You know, your journey to the mainstream is very different to mm-hmm. loads of people, but also really similar to me as well because mm. you went down the academic route. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is something people need to do now? Ooh, see, I, uh, I'm going to throw this back to Katie Couric. Yeah. So Katie Couric did it the most traditional way, right? Yeah. She went to broadcasting school, then local news, then got a job at CNN, then NBC, and just had this natural. And I remember when people would ask her, she'd be like, you know, things have changed so much. Yeah. I feel like you can't do it the way I did it. 
You know, okay. you have to create your own path. You have to create your own opportunity. So I think going to school gave me a really amazing foundation. Yeah. And I was working with somebody who I really respected, of who saw things in me that maybe I didn't see in myself yet. And I, it was a great foundation for me to get into it. But mm, with rock. YouTube and Instagram and everything going on now, you could start your own show right now. And if it takes off and you have that natural talent and somebody sees you, that's a really great option. Definitely. So I think you just have to like know yourself or get to know yourself, do the work to get to know yourself. Yeah. And if an academic route is going to be, you know, a slower burn, but a necessary step, take it. Yeah. If you're bold and you already got your brand figured out and you want to go for it, go for it. Definitely. You know, I just don't, it's hard to like, there's no path. Like you said, like everybody kind of enters it from a different way now. So yeah. school was good for me. School was really important for me, yeah. but I like to study. I like to learn. Oh, see, that's something you need. To, yeah, <laughs> you see? need. You can't just go to uni and hope for the best. Like, you no, actually have to you want do the work. To, yeah, you do the work, and yeah. I needed to do the work. I enjoy doing the work. Yeah. And in college, uh, I did radio classes, yeah. and we did PR classes. Oh, and nice. Yeah, we did production. We had like a Star City News, which was like a local news production. We all got to be director and producer and try out these different roles. Yeah. So I enjoyed kind of understanding the way exactly. of the land and that's what school does for you that's good so that's good well it's definitely paid <laughs> off i mean you are interviewing some of the biggest names right now okay i've listed some of my favorites okay um so jada pinkett smith Ooh, yeah. Issa ray tara banks mm. taraji p henderson Ooh. that's just a few you said gabrielle union's been in this piece Ooh. every oh my gosh like just black excellence too just all these amazing black women literally that i get to just uh be in their presence. I love that. So is there anyone that's absolutely touched you in a way, not physically, but like, <laughs> is there anyone or any favorite guests where you're like, that was the most memorable moment of my career so far? Or it might not even, because I know you've been doing your thing on uh, in other ways, like other jobs as well. Because mm-hmm. you said you've uh, interviewed Serena Williams in the yeah, past when you past. worked at Nike and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, so with this job, Gabrielle Union was a really big deal yeah. because she's from where I'm from. So Gabrielle oh Union was born in Omaha, Nebraska. I didn't even realize yeah. that. And wow. she moved when she was like seven or eight, but she spent every summer in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. So in her memoir, she writes extensively about yeah. being a black woman in white spaces and sort of the journey of that, right? And it's a very unique experience that a lot of people don't talk about or know about. Yeah. So I really connected to her. And uh, when she came here, she was just like a Nebraska girl. We yeah. connected, we were like dancing a little bit in her green room. We were talking about Husker football. We just actually had a genuine connection, which made the interview just a joy to Amazing. be out there, you know? And she shared stories that she hadn't shared other places. Yeah. And it just felt like a really, positive and I wanted her to like me so bad <laughs> I just wanted her to be like Brittany I see you and yeah. I felt that That's so good. that felt really important um I almost can't remember all the interviews you've done so many guys just that go to do. build series NYC you will see the endless roster of celebrities but there's always people that you're just fans of right yeah. like Kirsten Dunst. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, like childhood, like bring it on and yeah. everything she did. And yeah. then I get to sit and she's just really chill. Yeah. I mean, she's so low key and just played with me out there and That's had it. no pretense. And I appreciated that because in my eyes, she's a really big star yeah. and she was just so grounded. So the interviews that are memorable are always just the people who you feel like are actually themselves out there yeah. and you can have a genuine connection with. Yeah. Jada Pinkett was like that. Yeah. 
like we were just like talking about I forgot there was an audience amazing you know what I mean that's such a good feeling yeah so it's a conversation and that's what you want it to be yeah. and there's this moment I know you know when you're talking to somebody and you maybe have like one or two softball questions and then you kind of get into the meat of the interview yeah. and you're just like on this ride together yeah. and it's hard to explain but it's adrenaline producing yeah. and it just is so great when you're in the pocket so when that happens it is always special That's always okay. yeah Tyler Perry was a fun one oh, because yes. he was picking on me. <laughs> you always got to have that kind of place yeah. in your interview as well. And I was like throwing it back and he was like, so there's this moment after he like had dug a couple times and I like really leaned into the joke and I look back and he looks at me and we kind of wink and I was like, <laughs> yo, Tyler Perry just winked at me. Okay. Like, that's, that's my boy. We're good. <laughs> at one point he was like criticizing because Amari Hardwick right. was there and he felt like I was paying too much attention what to Amari Hardwick for Nobody's Fool. Okay. It was a movie with Tiffany Haddish. He thought I was paying too much attention to Omari Hardwick because Omari looks like Omari and he's Literally. fine. Right. Yeah. But I wasn't, you know, but he was just teasing me. <laughs> so at one point I go, look, I know you're friends with Oprah, but I have my own style. And everybody was like, oh. <laughs> and I looked at him. I was like, don't get me fired. Like, I was just... <laughs> Like me, please. Yeah, I was just like throwing it back. Like, yeah. But he was so cool. So yeah, just little, when it's just real out there. Yeah. When somebody's not just promoting. Yeah. And uh, they can feel, they feel safe in my, in my hands, you yes. know? That's always the best. Definitely. Speaking of Tyler Perry, we mentioned this off, off air as well, but he is absolutely changing the game mm. for black people in mm. broadcasting, entertainment and everything like that. And, um, you know, we've briefly spoken about you feeling like you you need to kind of you know stand out and, mm -hmm. and be a face of what you're doing be a brand do you feel like like tyler perfectly said needed you need to make that own seat at the table do yes. you feel like you have to work even harder because you're a black woman i do yeah i do i mean that's a short answer yeah is it something that you are constantly made aware of yes either through people's actions or their microaggressions oh, gosh, yeah. or boxes that they try to put you in. And uh, people don't ever let you forget that you are a black woman. Yeah. So yes, it dictates a lot. Um, but again, you have to realize that that's part of the game. Yeah. And so I've had several, several moments where I take my time, I try to play their game, and when I start playing by their rules, the rules change. Yeah. And I have documented cases of this. <laughs> and so I've learned I just got to play my own game. And that's me coming to work, being the smartest, the best, being who I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not letting anything else get in my way. Having a plan, speaking up for myself and not being afraid of being labeled as angry black woman or like that's not my problem. Yeah. If I speak up and I'm speaking my truth and what I need, you, you don't get to label me as anything. Exactly. And I'm not afraid of you labeling me as anything. So there's like this certain armor you have to have. Yeah. Which is sucks, you know? Mm. But it is what it is. And I think um, connecting with people like you and other black women in the space has been incredibly um, helpful for me just to know that I'm not the only one yeah. on this path and that the feelings I'm feeling are valid and real. Yes. And I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. Because sometimes you feel like you're crazy. 100%. Yeah. Like, you, it does make you think. I'm overthinking that, like, especially, yeah. like, the macroaggressions and all that kind of stuff. Like, was that 
did I really see that? I even saw an episode of Blackish recently mm-hmm. where Rainbow is saying exactly the same thing. She's at work and someone's yeah. excited that, or like happy for her that she went to uni and she mm-hmm. became an actual doctor. Right. And it's like, good for you. And it's like, hold on a minute. Why? Why is it good for me? Mm-hmm. Like, why is, I shouldn't be extra happy that I made it. And it's those little things and they just add up and yeah. they just keep chipping. I mean, I've had people literally say like when a company was doing layoffs yeah and i was vocalizing oh you know look if i got laid off i would take a trip it would be fun and i had four different people tell me oh you're not gonna get laid off you're black huh wow how am i supposed to receive that so the only reason i'm here is because i'm black it's not because x y and z i'm good at my job the list of things i've done positively in this company it's because of my skin color and they don't let you forget it and they have the confidence Say to your face. So Yeah, that takes a lot. Right. You know, so dealing with stuff like that yeah. is a lot. But again, the more that I talk to uh, people of color in general, yeah. you know, everybody has a different fight that they're fighting. And it is it has been incredibly important for my growth. Yeah. To just connect with people and uh, and then it just reassures me that I just gotta again play my own game. Definitely. Play, play by my own rules. Definitely. You're killing it, man. I love it. Yeah. Is there anything that you've learned across your journey that you wish you knew before? Um, yeah, <laughs> I, on a, on a spiritual tip, just being kinder to myself. Okay. And that's real. I think there's an incredible amount of growth that happens in your 20s, right? Yeah. And um, when you're really ambitious and you have these plans for yeah. your life and then when stuff maybe doesn't start going the way that you think it's going to go it's really easy to get down on yourself yeah um to get really anxious i've had issues with anxiety just yeah. like trying to force things to happen that just weren't going to happen yeah and so there is this practice i try to do now of just being kind to myself and you know putting it out to the universe and surrendering and hoping it comes back to yeah. you and when you start doing that, you realize that the, all those things that were negative and that you wish you could have fixed led you to where you are now and the opportunities you have now truly like came from those bad experiences. Yeah. It's just hard to have that that macro view when you're going through it. Exactly. So Hindsight. now when I'm going through something, I'm like, be kind to yourself. Maybe that interview wasn't perfect. It's okay. It's You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's going to be okay. It's always going to be okay. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing. But specifically about media, did you want to know if there's any like... Just, to be honest, I feel like everyone needs to hear things like that as well. Yeah. Like, being kind to yourself is an important part in this process. Because people think, oh, it's glitz, it's glam, you're always interviewing celebrities. You guys don't realise how much goes into it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you are just explaining a little bit off off air as well. Some days you do four shoots back to back in a day. And... Each each episode, each show, there might be extensive research, mm-hmm. a book, a screening, a, a a backlog of, you know, a cinematography that you right. need to look at. And people don't realise it's taken me two days yeah. to prepare for one interview. Yeah. And then you've got four in a day. You need to be able to look after yourself. You need to be Self-care able to... Self-care is very important. Yeah. yeah. And also, doing what you love is important. Of course. It's an inc- this job is an incredible amount of work. Yes. Off camera. Yeah. That's where most of the work happens. Yeah. But I really enjoy it. Exactly. And I really love it. So it's worth it. But I also protect my energy. Yes. And who I give my time to. And I work out. And I eat well. You know, like yeah. all those things. Because I do have a long 
game I'm playing as far yeah. as like where I want to be professionally. So what I've learned from talking to these celebrities every day is a lot of them also have just like really strict rules about their private time and how that helps them perform constantly nonstop. So, so important. it's super important. Yeah. Super, super important. Well, saying that, what top five tips would you give to anyone that's trying to get into the mainstream as a broadcaster and host? Five. You're gonna I should have. You're going to have me counting on my fingers. <laughs> I'm really bad Please at math. Please do. Um, the first one is embrace your vulnerability. Because I think it's really easy when you get on camera to start acting. Yes. To start pretending yeah. like you're a host. Like yeah. behaving like you have seen hosts behave. But I think I have learned that I am all these other things. I am sensitive. I can be, I tell really bad dad jokes. <laughs> I, all of these sort of nerdy things about me, I think are what sort of help define who I am and people wanting to talk to me. Yeah. So I think that's how you find your brand. That's how you kind of create your own space is embracing that vulnerability and embracing those things that are you. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's really hard when you get on camera to act like yourself sometimes. Yeah, sure. Um, two, <laughs> what'd you say? Oh, no, that's one. Yeah, that's one. That's one. Uh, two is, yeah, God, this is hard. Two is, um, I think practice kindness in the space. I, everybody is making you look good mm. from the audio to the light, to the security guards, to the receptionists, to the photographers, to the cameramen. Do not be an asshole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Learn their names. Ask how their day is. Yeah. Engage in conversation. Like, that's your team. Yeah. And they're all working to help you look good. And to help you perform and to do your job. Yeah. And so, and that's why I really love Build. I mean, we have such a tight crew here. And we talk about music. And we have, and I think everybody just feels good with what we're doing. And that's really important for me as somebody who's sort of like, is sensitive to like emotions in the room. I want everybody to be having as much fun as I am. Definitely. Uh, three is self-care, like t turn off the TV, mm -hmm. turn off the phone. If you spend your whole day on TV, like you don't need to be watching it all day. Mm -hmm. Like it's a lot. Yeah. Um, you're almost more? there. You're almost two there. More? Yeah. Um, study like other people watch other, I, I will actively watch Oprah's 20th season anniversary DVD and just look at how she crafted questions mm -hmm. and look at how she kind of read an interview and flowed through it. And I just have such respect yeah. for how she was able to create a safe space for people to open up to her. Yeah. And that's all I've ever really wanted to do is have these deep, personal, vulnerable conversations in a place that felt safe for people. Yeah. Um, and five, uh, if you really see it as work and it's annoying to you, don't do it because it's really hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't get easier. Um, and in most broadcasting jobs are underpaid and you have to work very long hours. I started out in news and I was working like every holiday. Yeah. Um, so there's certainly a lot of sacrifices that come on the beginning, but I think even when you reach a certain level of success. So just knowing that like you, you do this because you love it. Definitely. Honestly. Definitely. And what is next for Brittany Jones Cooper? The Brittany Show? Yes! <laughs> yes! I'm here for it! Yes! Uh, that's that's always been the goal. Yeah. Oprah's a huge uh, inspiration for me. I love what she was able to do. I think it's time we 
have a, a safe space for conversation again. Yeah. And I'd like to be the person hosting it. It's going to happen. Yeah, I hope that's. And I hope I can come through on the show, girl. You're gonna be like a <laughs> correspondent. Yes, I love I'm it. I'm gonna send you out to talk to people. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's how you're gonna see Nebraska. I'm gonna send you across America to just interview people, and then oh you're gonna go to God. Nebraska. And I'm gonna do the same for you <laughs> when, if you're ever in London as well, because you're just such a delight to watch when you're working, but also having this moment to be able to actually speak to you, connect with you, yeah. like both on on the air and off. Like I feel like we've I've really just no this has been incredibly easy and fulfilling and I think we're functioning on a similar wavelength as far as just being really passionate about what we're doing and wanting to share it and and connect with people and you nailed it when you said it's nice to feel like someone else is going through it as well because this is a lonely career it really is people don't realize that it can be really lonely and when you're trying to figure out how to get to the Britney show Mm -hmm. you're like wow it's it's a one-man band sometimes. It really is. And it's just nice to know that there's other people on similar journeys. Yeah. And I guess my sixth tip is... <laughs> For it, Yeah, because now I can count. <laughs> is don't be competitive with other people. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. Yeah, I'm competitive with myself for sure. Yeah. But in any way that I can help lift, especially another black woman up, yes. I'm going to do it. There is enough space for all of us. Yes. Don't let them pin us against each other. Have a seat at the table. Right? <laughs> All of us have chairs. <laughs> Six up. Yeah. That was a good <laughs> I like that. It was necessary. It was necessary. Well, thank you so much for, first of all, giving me your time after you've just absolutely slayed today's interviews. I really, really appreciate it. But also, as well, it's just great to meet you. you and too. yeah, you're thank amazing. You. Please let everyone know where they can follow you, find you, and keep up to date. I, you can find me at, at B Jones Cooper on all of the social media platforms. Because she got it like that. <laughs> she secured those, <laughs> those accounts. There's not a lot of B. Jones Coopers. <laughs> I, did, I didn't get at Britney. If you have that and you want to give it to me, please. That'd yes. be great. Negotiate. Yeah. <laughs> I need that for when I launch the show. Yeah. It's just so much more seamless. It is. But you can still get at the Britney show. Yeah, that's true. So it's fine. Don't right. worry. See, we, we work, work together. Yeah, we work together. It's fine. <laughs> I'll send you my invoice. Um, <laughs> No, again, thank you so much. And yeah, this has been The Mainstream with the amazing Brittany Jones Cooper. Bye. NYC, baby. Woo! Thank you for listening to The Mainstream Podcast with me, Ramel London. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review on Apple and Spotify and follow us at The Mainstream UK and at Ramel underscore London.